the study of your word. And we thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, that dwells in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, reveals your scripture unto us, Lord. It, Lord, I, I really believe that you want and you desire uh, to show us these things in your word, Lord. I don't believe you're trying to hold anything back at all, Lord, uh, especially uh, things concerning our daily lives, Lord. And Lord, we thank you. Oh God, your word says, does any man lack wisdom? Let him, let him ask of God who giveth liberally. Oh Lord, so we're asking you, Lord, to pour out, Lord, your uh, illumination of the word of God upon us tonight, Lord. And help us, Lord, to desire and to love your word and to, to have a desire and a love for the truth, O oh God. And we thank and praise you tonight. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, we are on lesson 20 of engaging God's word, uh, the book of Romans. Uh, lesson 20 uh, is salvation without limits. Amen. A lot of people like to put... Uh, uh, limits on salvation. They like to control the salvation. They like to, the, uh, they like to control uh, you. Amen. Uh, a lot of uh, church denominations are big on control and 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 uh, you know trying to keep their thumb on the people. Amen. Uh, but uh, praise be to God. Amen. That uh, we're in a good church. Amen. We're, we're in a church that loves truth. Amen. 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 Uh, praise the Lord. Lesson 20 uh, is focused on Romans chapter 10, uh, verses 5 through 21. And the first section uh, deals with verses 5 through 8. So uh, let's uh, jump into the Word of God and just read it. Amen. Starting at uh, verse 5. Romans chapter 10, verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith does not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Amen. And uh, I'll just be transparent here. Uh, I've wrestled with these scriptures uh, for quite a while. It, it, uh, for some reason, I couldn't wrap my head around it. What in the world is Paul trying to say here? What's the point that Paul's getting to? Well, one thing we need to keep in, in, uh, in mind is that Paul is doing a lot of quoting here from the Old Testament. Uh, when it says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, you know, that's from uh, way back in uh, uh, the Old Testament. I think it was Exodus or, or Deuteronomy, or, uh, but it was uh, Moses' uh, uh, writings, amen. And so uh, he's talking about here, uh, like it says here, who will ascend into heaven? Now, what's, what's he talking about the, uh, overall, the big picture? He's talking about salvation by faith. Amen? He's talking about, you know, what, what does it take to be saved? Do you, do you, are you saved by the righteousness of the law, or are you saved by the righteousness of faith? 
And uh, he's saying, you don't have to go to heaven and, and grab Christ and pull him down here so we can all get saved. We don't have to go down into hell or the abyss and resurrect Christ and bring him up here so we can all get saved. He, he brings these, uh, these uh, far-fetched uh, scenarios to, to prove a point. It's not that hard to be saved. It's, it's not a hard thing. You, you don't have to follow the law because that's an impossible thing because nobody ever followed the law. In all the Old Testament, nobody ever fo followed the law. No one was ever saved by the law. It's an impossible task. Amen. It's just as impossible uh, to keep the law as it is to go up to heaven. Now, we can get in a rocket ship and go up to the moon or go to Mars, do all kinds of things, but you'll never get to heaven that way. Amen. And uh, it's, it's an impossible task to go down into the abyss. You know, wh where is hell? Amen. Wh where is the place of the dead? Amen. And, 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 and uh, anyway, Christ is already, already risen. He's not even there. Amen. It's an impossible thing. And, and a lot of people, I don't know if you've ever, uh, you might have done this yourself. You might have seen other people go through it. Think it's such a hard task to be saved. Like, God can never save me. Look at all the things I've done. I'm, I'm a horrible person. Uh, when I look at the Bible, uh, I, I can't live that. I can't be that. Because, you know, and, and people want to get the cart before the horse. You know, because you know, you'll hear them say, well, as soon as I get some things straightened out, I'll, I'll come to church and, and I'll, I'll, I'll live for God. But, but you know, I've I got to get some things straightened out. Well, that, that's, that defeats the per, point and the purpose of the cross. Amen. Amen. That's, that's just saying that, uh, no, that cross, no, that cross can't save me. I got to save me. I, I, I got I to do. You know, it's that, uh, like the little toddlers, you know. You ever seen toddlers? No, me do it. No, me do it. That's, we we want to try somehow save ourselves that we can say, I'm so holy and righteous and religious. Well, God designed it so that we couldn't do that. God designed it so that it's uh, basically we are at the mercy of God for salvation. Amen. We can't do anything. I, I used to, when I was in another denomination, and um, I used to talk about those people that believe that, uh, you know, you, can't, you don't believe you have to do anything to be saved, and then once you're saved, you can't do anything to be lost. You know, I used to m make a big deal about that, you know, because I thought that, uh, uh, I, I thought that you had to, to do a big, uh, long list of check boxes, you know, to get saved. You know, like, uh, uh, yeah, you, we're saved by faith, but you've got to keep those holiness standards. Yep. If you don't keep those holiness standards, you're not saved. If you, don't, if you don't get baptized right, then you're not saved. If you don't speak in tongues, then you're not saved. I, I used to believe all that. And that, then the, the word of God became more clear to me, and I had to readjust my thinking. I had to readjust my believing. Amen. It's not, hard to, it's not an impossible task. It's not a hard thing to be saved. Uh, we just got to believe God. Take him at his word. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
Now, in our questions, question one, and now this is all uh, the first section, living by law or by faith, it's all uh, based on uh, verses five through eight. Uh, so we'll go to question one. It says, in verse five, according to Moses, what is the basis for achieving righteousness by the law? And it gives us a clue here, uh, uh, Leviticus 18 and 5. Now, if we let's read the Levit Leviticus 18 and 5 to kind of see what uh, Moses is getting at here. If you're if you're going to uh, achieve your righteousness by the law, Levit Levit Leviticus 18 and 5. Let's read this. Keep my decrees and laws, for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. So basically, if you're going to be saved by the law, then you got to live the law. Amen. You got to live it to the T. Exactly. Everybody hear that? If you miss one, you you've you've uh, you've uh, uh, you've failed all of them. Amen. You you've broken everyone if you break just one. Yeah. Amen. So, uh, does anybody have, uh, that was a good point. Liz, you got something to add to that? Uh, I put to obey, honor, and follow God's law. Mm -hmm. Amen. Because it says about, you know, it's the basis for achieving righteousness by the law. That right. Would be it. We have to obey, honor, and follow the law without any discrepancies. Right. Perfectly. And like I alluded to before, nobody else ever did that. Uh, Brother Ernie, go ahead. Not what, what we can't do. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Question two says, according to verse five, how much room for faith does living by the law seem to have, seem to leave? How much, uh, how much room for faith does living by the law leave? None. All you got to do is keep the law. You don't, you don't have to trust in anything except uh, your own behavior. And as long as you're doing everything perfectly, then you're all right. Amen. That's like, uh, that's, that's, that's hard to live. You know, this is like, uh, I, I've, I've told people before, you know, I, 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 I would be lousy at trying to get away with murder. Because I can't even eat pancakes without getting syrup all over me. You know? <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know, I can't eat pancakes, you know, uh, right. You know, how am I going to keep the law right? Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anybody got anything to add to uh, question two? Amen. Question three says, on what basis will one who chooses to live by the law be judged? How will you be judged if, if your choice is to live by law and not by faith in Christ? That talks about uh, Romans uh, 2, uh, 12 to 15. And 
Yeah, we can read a little bit of that. Romans uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 12. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. Amen. Praise God. So, uh, so, yeah. If you live by the law, you're going to be judged by the law. You're going to be judged by every, every, every period and every cross T and every dotted I of the law. Amen. That's that's a, as they say down south, that's a hard road to hoe. Amen. And if you've ever been in a, raised a garden. And uh, <laughs> chopping weeds, amen. Uh, especially down where I was from, I'm on the side of a hill. <laughs> I've done that before. Out there, me and uh, my dad and my brothers out there taking care of the garden on the side of a hill. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Question four. And. Question four is divided up into two parts, A and B. We'll go with uh, part A. What do Paul's questions in verse six and seven imply about people's search for God? What does it in, in, imply about people's search for God? Uh, Elizabeth? People question, people question God's ability to do what seems impossible to man. Mm-hmm. Right. The point of where Jesus was with the three gifts out, and we wouldn't be able to reach down into the afterlife and pull him back. So they're like, how can God do it? So there's a lot of questioning mm-hmm. in, in those verses, and I think it's talking about that. If we don't understand it, we can't do it ourselves. We, we might not even see it happen necessarily, so we question it. It's like, believing in Jesus, that's way too easy. That can't be it. we got, we got to do something big. we got to do something monumental to prove that we're worthy of salvation that's not the way it is amen simply faith in christ go ahead pastor ernie they question who go to heaven because the souls will go to the dead <laughs> yeah <laughs> anybody anybody else uh, have anything else on that part b of question four Does Paul seem to think such a search is necessary? Why or why not? Go ahead. Elaborate. Well, I said no, and the reason that I said that is because through reading quite a bit of Paul's writing, he makes it very clear that if we are faithful and we trust in our faith in, in Jesus, then that alone teaches us to trust 
that God says without really any question. There shouldn't be those questions in the back of your head saying, well, well how can he, well, how is he? Because if your faith is true, then you've experienced his love and you've experienced his mercy and you've had supernatural things happen to you that seem like they shouldn't happen. Situations that seem impossible you've been able to pull yourself out of with the help of God. So if you really, truly are a person of faith, that questioning is not necessary. Mm-hmm. And if also, if we, if we look at the script, these scriptures in the light of uh, the purpose of why Paul wrote them in the first place uh, to the church at Rome, I know they have an application in our lives, but he intended them uh, for the congregation at Rome, which was well, uh, a Jewish congregation and a Gentile congregation. And you notice throughout the book of Romans, he goes back and forth between Jews and Gentiles. He preaches at the Gentiles for a while and he'll preach at the Jews for a while. And he touches on these, uh, these uh, uh, little cornerstones uh, that the Jews ha- have set up because they're strong on the law, they're strong on Moses, strong on uh, Abraham and circumcision. They're, uh, you know, and a lot, of, a lot of times bad habits are uh, hard to unlearn. And so the Jews were used to depending on these things. And here comes Paul, and here comes Jesus, and here comes Christianity along saying, whoa, wait a minute, you don't have to do all that anymore. Amen. Let's move on to Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. Uh, The response of faith. Let's start at verse... uh, now, it, it kind of overlaps here because we read to verse 8 on the first part and then it picks up on verse 8 again. So it, there's a little bit of overlap, but it, they do that uh, for clarity. Verse 8 says, But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Amen. Praise the Lord. It just can't be that easy. Yes, it is. The Bible says so. (laughs) Question five says, what does verse eight suggest about our access to God? Amen. That's Liz. And when I was reading it, I was looking at how they say, you know, the, the word is near you, it is in your mouth, it is in your heart. So if you're thinking about that, the word is in your mouth, it's in your heart. That means that God is always with you. And if he's always with you, then you shouldn't have problem accessing him. That would be like me sitting here next to Ernie and going, Ernie, I can't get to you right now. Mm-hmm. If you can't find God, then he's always with you. It's like a willful ignorance. It's not the fact that he's not there. 
Right. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and that just raised a, a, a good question. Um, because I've had people who are agnostic or atheists say to me uh, many times, if God is real, well, I'm looking for him, why doesn't he show himself to me? Which reveals a posture according to the word that you're not really looking for him. Yeah. You're looking for him on your terms. Yeah. It's almost like it's almost like they're demanding God perform for them. It's yeah. not the same thing. If you are spending your time in prayer and you're reading your Bible and you're actively searching for God within your heart, you're gonna find him. Mm -hmm. But if all you're doing is sitting there going, I'm human, I'm just watching the football game, where are you at, God? You're literally demanding him to do parlor tricks for you, and that's not how God works. Right. I saw a video of this atheist girl. She was saying, if God appeared before me and showed me that he was true, I still wouldn't worship him. And my first thought was like, she doesn't know what she's saying. But then I thought, again, maybe she does. Because I believe that there will be people, I believe there are people like that. If, if they knew that God was real, if he... Uh, disclosed himself openly, there would be people that would still reject him. Amen. Because, you know, they hate God. You know, they don't want to live by anybody else's uh, rules or, uh, or conditions. Amen. That's, I guess that's what you get with free will. You get people that choose not to believe, that choose not to follow. Mm-hmm. in their life and they've experienced a lot of trauma because those people who have experienced a lot of trauma it's not that they necessarily are set on not believing in God I think their trauma stops them because when you talk to them about God it's not that they deny that he exists they usually say something along the lines of well if he's real yeah. and I need him I got questions for him yeah. and that's it's more of the trauma talking in a lot of people I mean there are some people yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Amen. And they're looking for an easy scapegoat for that trauma. And I think that because they don't have a relationship with God and they don't know Him, yeah. they've never read their Bible. They've never read the Bible. They don't know how anything with God works. It's a very easy scapegoat for them. And I've heard people like you know that uh, why 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 did my baby have to die? Mm -hmm. Why did my grandpa have to die? Exactly. You know. It, but that's kind of like, it's, it's tunnel vision. I mean, everybody dies. People have been dying for generations and generations and generations. And unfortunately, it's almost a continuum. It doesn't mm -hmm. give you any less painful. It doesn't no. get something positive or fun to do with it. Right. Right. You can't, and I recommend, highly recommend you not say this to somebody who's suffering and in pain. Right. <laughs> but we brought this on ourselves. God didn't have anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. We brought death on ourselves. Right. How did God take my loved one? God didn't. Sin brought death into the world, and death took your loved one. And for God to seek your loved one, 
Yeah. And like Liz said, a lot of those hurting people, uh, they blame God for everything, you know. Uh, yeah. People shake their fist at God, and God just looks the other way. It doesn't, uh, you can't hurt God that way. You only hurt yourself by rejecting him. But one thing is for sure that uh, when you do put your life in God's hands, he helps to ease that pain, and he also... uh, over the course of time will help you to understand these things. Like that old song says, we'll understand it better by and by. Amen. Amen. I understand a lot more things about life now than I did when I first started as a Christian. And uh, I I never was uh, one that uh, just because I didn't understand it, you know, I wasn't going to try to to live for God just because I didn't understand some things. Amen. Uh, I trust God enough to to reveal those things either now or later, you know. Uh, eventually, we'll, we'll understand it all. Amen. And there'll be some things that we don't understand at all in this life. But, uh, amen. God is, God is still good, even though we don't understand. Question six says, read carefully the word of faith Paul was proclaiming. What internal and external responses are necessary for salvation. So it focuses on what happens on the inside and what happens on the outside uh, when you know when you're being saved. Someone want to? Uh, Pastor Ernie. Your heart. That's on the inside. Mm-hmm. Externally. Ex- externally, it's your mouth. Right. Because we all know that. Usually, most people say what they believe. Yeah. You know, if if you if you really believe uh, this message, you'll start talking about it, and you'll start talking about. It. I I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He died for my sins. I believe He rose again, yeah. the third day, according to the Scriptures. It just, you know, that's there's an internal thing, and uh, the way I see it is, what happens on the inside manifests itself on the outside it started on the inside and it worked its way out amen it started as a seed of faith that uh, started in our heart when we heard the gospel and then it comes out as i believe you lord i I believe in jesus you know uh, that positive confession about the lord other people watch our mouth too they watch how we act and what we say right Right. Because I've been reading so much Bible study and so much, you know, like, reading the Bible in general. 
Yeah. And never be afraid to say, I don't know. Because yeah. I just, you know. <laughs> there's somebody that does know, and there's a, there's, there's a way to find out, you know. Amen. Pass Willie. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing. Right. Is that, is that we should tell people that instead of just telling them, "Well, if you pray this prayer, we believe you got born again." No, no, it will be shown in time what really happened at this moment. Mm -hmm. Because no man, the Bible says, no man knows the heart of a man save the man himself. Right. But the Spirit searches all things. Only you know if you're submitting to God in your heart. Right. And, and so that's a personal thing. Right. And I guess we've all seen insincere conversion, conversions over the years. You know, mm -hmm. someone because uh, their their wife or girlfriend was going to the church, they'll start going to the church just to keep the relationship together or something. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that kind of goes back to like what Pastor's always saying about you can be in the church but not of the church. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to understand and remember that even Judas sat in on Jesus' church. <laughs> Uh, question seven, uh, part A. What does it mean to say Jesus is Lord? Does that mean just to mouth the words, or uh... to me, the way I see it is to declare Jesus as Lord. Declare is to declare that Jesus and God are one and the same. Because before Jesus came to Earth, they would call.
So basically saying, oh, I want to get saved uh, and then live how I want to live. Live by my own standards. Live by how I think is best for me. Amen. We, we give those rights over to our Lord because he is Lord over us. He is our Lord. Amen. Yeah. I'm depending on you. You tell me what to do. You right. tell me how to live and where to go. And, and so your will goes down and God's will comes to the forefront. Yeah. Amen. You know, um, I think that's funny because I had situations where things were going to pop up and people were like, oh, well, you used to like this as a slave. But now you don't do that anymore. But you used to like that. And I thought, no, I used to like that. But after I found Jesus, and I tried to be like, oh, let me sit down and watch that horror movie. Jesus was like, you know you don't need this. What are you watching this trash for? That's not of me. Turn this off. Hmm. And you stop watching it. And it's not an overnight thing, but over time, you know, you'll start seeing him convict you on things. And he'll be like, you know, you shouldn't be watching that. You know, you shouldn't be talking like that. You don't need to respond to him. You need to walk away. You'll start hearing him. You'll start feeling it. I mean, when God's really working in your heart, it's not that you uh, give something up, it's that you get rid of it. I feel like you gain everything. Yeah. Not losing anything. Right. Gaining everything. And anything that is, is anything that's gone from you is not a loss. Right. Even the things that weren't really bringing you anything in your life. Like, what is it for you in your life to sit down and drink special beers every night and get wasted? What is it bringing you in your life to sit down and watch a how does that enrich your soul? Yeah. None of those things do. So if you feel the call from him to abandon those things, listen, do it. And he's going to replace it with something better. Well, today, I think what she said is powerful, that about she's describing the Holy Spirit nudging your heart when you submit to God. And I think the problem we've had is we've been trying to nudge ourselves to take the place of the Holy Spirit nudge unconverted people and it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, you know, if you take a hog, I'm from the south, <laughs> you take a hog, you clean him up, you can do whatever you want to. As soon as he get hot, he going to find some mud somewhere. Yeah. That's because that's what hogs do. They don't have sweat glands. That's how they cool off. 
If you take somebody and you try to just give them some dry words and say, just pray this prayer, now I want you to just follow Jesus, as soon as you turn your back, they're gone. Mm -hmm. Didn't see your church today, didn't see this. They're gone because they haven't been converted in their heart. Right. So we have to get in the mindset of discipleship and heart conversion. And some people probably have confessed Jesus and didn't get saved till long, much longer after. They got in there, they got the word, the word yeah. started working on their heart. And somewhere in the process of them trying to get connected to God, something happened. They might have got, they, most people do not get saved right here at this altar. Most people are saved by the time either they get to this altar or they're saved when they leave it. Because when they come up here, something's already been working in their heart. Right. By the time I was as a child, walked up and walked and sat in, in, they used to, in the old days, they used to take the benches and turn them around and you had to walk up there and sit on them. I'd been saved days before in my mama's kitchen. <laughs> but what people will say is, he just got saved. No, that process had already started. And that's the importance of your confession or, you know, even water baptism, that's part of your confession. That's, that's an open outward declaration of faith. You don't get baptized, you know, most people don't get baptized unless they, they've already believed, you know. Now I'm sure there's people that's got baptized just to, for a show, but it didn't, you know. Right. And I asked, when was the last time you heard a, a sermon on sanctification? They could not tell me for the life of me. When was the last time? And I'll ask that. When was the last time before last Sunday that you actually heard a sermon? How many years has it been since you heard an actual teaching on sanctification? We, we just teach people. We just want to say, okay, you, we checking boxes what we're doing. Oh, so they said they love Jesus. <laughs> Our church is still alive. They said they got saved. We got five people saved. Then they go right back out the door. We don't do any discipleship. We don't do any sanctification. We don't do any teaching. And those people don't grow. And that's important for us to change the model of which we do church. That's why we reach. Then we teach. And if you reach and teach, they will change. Yeah. It's like that, the eunuch. He was running up there. He said, I want to be saved, but right now I'm baptized.
Part B of uh, question seven, this is why must we believe that God raised him from the dead? Why, 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 what about that part of the gospel? You know, you know, we believe he's the son of God. We believe he died for our sins. Why must we believe that God raised him from the dead? And it says, see, 1 Corinthians 15 and 4, verse 14, 17 through 19. Now we can, uh, let's read uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4. So that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Amen. According to the scriptures. That's what God said would happen in the Old Testament. And then uh, verse, was it 14? And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. <laughs> and then the last segment is 17 to 19. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Amen. So if he didn't rise, raise from the dead, this, this is all pointless. You know, if, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, we're wasting our time. Yeah. But, but I, I know for a fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. Because he resurrected me. Amen. He brought me uh, out of the miry clay and put my feet on the rock to stay. Amen. He resurrected my life. Amen. I was in a pretty low place when I came to God. Amen. I, 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 was, uh, I was having suicidal thoughts. I was, I, I was, a, I was a mess. Amen. But he, he brought me back to life. Amen. Praise God. Uh, the third section here is Romans chapter 10, verses 12 to 13, uh, the dimensions of his love. Let's read uh, 12 and 13 here. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And uh, question eight is divided into, looks like, three parts, A, B, and C. Does anyone have an advantage in terms of access to God? No. Equal access, right? Amen. We all have, we all have the same shot. You know, God doesn't uh, favor one group of people over another. Amen. And then uh, B says, who does God invite to come to him? Lottie Dottie, everybody. Praise the Lord. Amen. And that means uh, someone listening online, you can be saved. All you got to do is believe it. Accept it as your fact. Amen. Accept it that God laid down uh, his life. He gave his only begotten son for all of us to be saved. Amen. Praise God.
Part C says, in or is his ability or desire to respond limited in any way? Going back to, was that Second Peter? God is not uh, willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. Yes. Christ died for everyone. The penalty for every human being that has ever lived or ever will live was paid by Christ on that cross. Now, everybody's not going to accept it, but... Uh, the price was paid. He paid the price for every one of us to be saved. And everybody that goes to hell goes there needlessly. Amen. It's of their own choice, you know, their own volition. Question 9 says, from verses 9 to 13, what words or phrases uh, define the part of the exercise of people's free will uh, play, plays in salvation. So what words or phrases define the part of the exercise of people's free will? Uh, How does that play in salvation? Confession and belief. Right. Liz? It does. Clean your room, that will make him happy, but that doesn't make him mm -hmm. clean your room. Let me let me interject here. Does if uh, uh, make it conditional? No. I don't think so. I think well, well, if if if, if God says if, He's setting a condition yes. that you need to yes. Uh, yes. to to align with. Yes. Amen. Right, right. Amen. So uh, our 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 free will, we have we have the choice to choose or not to choose. Amen. I I choose Christ. Amen. Yeah. And uh, the the condition is if you believe, if you confess, and God, if you notice the. Uh, it's kind of con it sounds kind of conditional on our part, but on God's part, it says you will be saved. Ain't, so like to say down south, ain't no beans about it. <laughs> Amen. You will be saved. Amen. God, God is sure. Amen. He is an anchor. Then question ten says, what words or phrases underscore God's love for all people? And this is talking about in 12 and 13 there. Which, which uh, words or phrases underscore God's love for all people? Whoever believes in him will not be ashamed. Right. That, you know, that's a promise. That, that is a promise. Amen. God's promises are sure. Amen.
it's a sure promise. Remember back in Hebrews, we, we talked about the promises of God and the surety. God even swore by himself because he had none greater to swear by. Amen. That he will back up his promises. Amen. Praise God. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17, uh, talking about spreading the word. Let's start at verse 14 and read uh, to verse 17. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news or bring the gospel. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from the hearing, from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Or as King James would say, faith com cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. If you want to build your faith, then start listening to more word. Amen. That will build your faith. But in question 11, it says the four questions in verses 14 and 15 show a logical progression. Read the passage carefully and state the steps in your own words. Can someone outline the, the, that progression of those uh, four questions? Well, let's, uh, let's, just, let's break it down together. Let's go to the first question. How then can they call on one they have not believed in? Okay, so you got people that don't believe. Well, you know, uh, well, then the second question says, well, how can they believe in one whom they've not heard? Well, that's the reason they, they, they don't believe. You know, some people don't believe. It's because they, they haven't heard. And why haven't they heard? Well, the next line says, describes that. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? They, amen. They need a preacher to bring the word so they can hear it, so they can believe it. And then uh, verse 15 uh, says, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? So how can you have a preacher unless God calls them and sends them to preach? So it's, you, you see how, the, how it progresses, you know, uh, you got a problem, unbelievers. Why don't why don't they believe? Well, they haven't heard. Why haven't they haven't heard? Nobody preached to them. Why didn't anybody preach to them? Well, they haven't been sent. Amen. So, and then it says, "How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news or the gospel." So, um, so that that basically uh, describing that progression there, and then. Uh, question 12 says, what response might we see, uh, might we sometimes encounter when we share our faith? What verse prompts your answer? So what response might we sometimes encounter when we share our faith? Uh, Liz, go ahead.
And can, can, can you read a little bit of the whole discouragement into Isaiah uh, as a word here? Lord, who has believed our message? Mm-hmm. I mean, we can kind of just read through it uh, real quick, but can, can you see how Isaiah might have been a little bit discouraged? Mm-hmm. Here he is, the prophet, and he's preaching. Nobody's believing what he's saying. Lord, who, who's believing this? God, what are you sending me out here for? Nobody's believing it. So you can see some of the things that Isaiah wrestled with, we might wrestle with too. What's the use of witnessing? They're not going to believe it anyway. God didn't say uh, uh, preach to people uh, based on the condition that they're going to 100% everybody accept it. Amen. We're just called to be witnesses. We're called to witness no matter what they do, no matter if they believe or not. We're called to be a witness. Even if nobody believes, we're called to be a witness. Amen. Right. And another thing to consider, even if they don't accept it now, you might plant, be able to plant a seed that will sprout later. Amen. And, you know, there's, there's seeds uh, they have dug up out of archaeological places, seeds 2,000 years old uh, that sprouted, you know, because they were well-preserved. So uh, stuff like that happens. So a seed you plant today, it, it might uh, take a long time to germinate, but your seed that you planted may germinate in a soul and they get saved later on in life. Amen. And it was your seed somebody else watered and God gave the increase. Mm-hmm. Probably not all of them accepted that Like they may still 
Yeah. I think it's sparked an interest in them, even though the person who shared it with them maybe didn't read the best way when they were doing it. Yeah. Like maybe had malice in their heart or something like that. Mm-hmm. It still further sparked it. Right. All right, question 14, for further study. Paul quotes from Isaiah 52 and 7 uh, in verse 15 of uh, Romans uh, chapter 10. Uh, record the essence of the good news brought to Zion. And uh, we're going to read uh, Isaiah 52 and 7 real quick. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Amen. So, uh, what's the essence of the good news? One, one thing that jumps out at me is proclaim peace. Now, we live in a world that uh, uh, does not know peace. But yet, when I found Jesus, or when actually Jesus found me, I had peace in my heart. Finally had peace in my heart. Amen. And I can, you can be in the middle of a storm and all kinds of craziness going on around you. But you can have peace in your heart. You know that uh, you and God are all right. You know that uh, his blood washed, you, uh, washed away your sins. And that if, if, if this storm takes you out, you're going to heaven. You can know that. You can have peace in that. Amen. Uh, even though in the, in the world there's all kinds of fussing and fighting and war and craziness going on. Amen. He is the Prince of Peace. Amen. And he proved it in my heart. Amen. Amen. Another thing, uh, uh, good tidings or good news. People with a positive report. You know, have you heard of, uh, you know, the, uh, no, uh, uh, no insult to uh, anyone named Debbie <laughs> intended, but a Debbie Downer, someone that's all like Eeyore on the Winnie the Pooh. Eeyore is always in a, always has a cloud over his head, always, always, uh, you know, just, you know, focusing on the negative. Amen. Amen. You know, when I, when I came to Christ, man, I had, I got some positive stuff to think about. I got some positive things to talk about. Amen. I, I just don't like neg- negativity. You know, I, I don't like focusing on, on the negative things of life. Amen. I, 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 like, I like listening to good news. That's why uh, I started, I turned off talk radio. <laughs> I, 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 when I'm driving my truck, I got my station set on the classical station. I, it's, it's, it's orchestra music. Amen. It's not words. You know, <laughs> I'm not listening to, you know, songs uh, talking about, you know, uh, the woes of life. Uh, I'm just listening to just the music. Amen. Nice, relaxing music. Yeah. Amen. And, the, you know, a lot of the old uh, uh, classical uh, classics uh, were uh, hymns, you know, were, you know, church songs, uh, church music. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 10, uh, this is the last section. 
uh, verses 18 to 21. This is talking about Israel's response. Israel's response to what? Israel's response to good news. You know, amen. For, uh, verse 18 says, But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long I've held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. You know, I keep hearing reports, uh, and I've heard this for the last several years, of lots of people in the Middle East and Iran and other uh, Muslim countries about Jesus appearing to them in dreams. And people, uh, you know, people have encounters with Jesus you know, they're not Christians yet, you know, but they end up being Christians because Christ appears to them in a dream. And, and, and uh, it's such a powerful experience. They know that, man, this, you know, <laughs> this Jesus is something else. Amen. Question 15 says, in this section, what arguments does Paul use to combat any defense of Israel's rejection of the gospel? What does Paul use to combat any defense of Israel's rejection of the gospel? Go ahead, Liz. Yeah, maybe they didn't hear. Yeah, right. And, uh, okay, maybe they didn't hear. Well, maybe they heard, but they didn't understand. You know, maybe, maybe that's their, did they understand? And uh, verse 19 uh, says, First Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. Amen. In the Old Testament, before Jesus even came, the, uh, Moses even wrote, that God would turn to the Gentiles, that God would save Gentiles. And then when Jesus comes along, you know, he's rejected by his own people, by and large. There was a few, uh, there was a, a small segment of Jews that did believe, but by and large, they rejected him. And, uh, and now, you know, the, the biggest part of the church are Gentile people. And uh, thank God for the Jews that, uh, that do believe in Jesus. Amen. Uh, but uh, 
God's not through with Israel. We know when you read the back of the book that someday all Israel shall be saved. Amen. Amen. Someday all Israel will, will behold their Messiah and accept him uh, without any reservations. Let's move on to question 16. It says, why is it important for Paul to use the law and the prophets to make his point? Paul's making a point here. Why does he go to the law and the prophets? Why don't why don't he just uh, speak about uh, you know modern contemporary things and, and, and their generation and and things that happened in, in Jesus's uh, ministry? Why, why does he have to go back into the Old Testament law and prophets? Go ahead, Liz. Right. And Paul usually talks to the truth. He usually has proof for what he's saying. Yeah. And and then and on top of that, uh, you had the Jewish part of the Roman Church, you know, and their reliance on law and the prophets. And then uh, some of the Gentiles in the congregation were probably going, "Hey, I just know Jesus changed my life, and you know He's awesome," uh, you know. But you know. The, especially the Jews, and, and, and the question is, you know, it's, it's talking about Israel's response uh, to, uh, to the good news message. So uh, Paul, Paul knows how to, to speak to the Jewish segment of the church, basically is, is what that's getting at. Oh, wow. Got two questions left. Question 17 says, how does Paul respond to the idea that Israel did not have a fair opportunity to respond? Right. They heard it. They understood it. They had just as much opportunity as everybody. Go ahead, Haley. So, so basically, this is not their first rodeo. You heard that expression. Amen. But, you know, Jew, Jewish people are not worse than anybody else. They're God's chosen people. Why did God choose them? Basically, God chose them because they were the smallest group. But I think God uh, chose Jewish people just because they reflect us. Amen. We, we can see ourselves 
as being Israel at one point or, or another. We're, we can be stubborn and stiff-necked and, and uh, you know, act, you know. They, they just represent humanity. Amen. They represent the worst and the best. I mean, they're just people. They're just humans. Amen. Uh, why, why did he choose them? Yeah, well, that's, that, that's, that's what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, he, he chose them to do that. They, they just didn't live up to it. And then sometimes we don't live up to <laughs> God's expectations either. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the repeated cycles in the Old Testament of how, you know, they would have revival and they get close to God and then they would get a little cold and then they would stray from the faith and then God would send judgment and then they would... Uh, they would be, uh, be shaken awake and they'd have revival again and then they'd start straying from God and the cycle just kept repeating. And that happens in our lives too. You know. So all of these things given in the Old Testament is for our uh, understanding, is for our uh, instruction uh, to help us navigate this thing called life. One more question. Question 18. What does verse 21 tell us about God. Let's read uh, verse 21 again. But concerning Israel, he says, All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And what does that say about God? Patience. Patience. Never gave up. Never gave up. And he won't give up. Amen. He's going to see them through. Amen. Praise God. So, and and he's long-suffering. And merciful. Amen. Uh, I mean, we could probably put a lot more adjectives in there. Part B says, uh, what does it say about Israel? Mm-hmm. And just like some of those family members we have, uh, you know, they just keep rejecting him. They just, for some reason, they just won't turn. Doesn't mean they're not, not going to. Doesn't mean they never will. Right. It's been going on for centuries. It's hundreds and thousands of years where God says, hey guys, like I got this beautiful, wonderful gift for you, and we're just kind of like, I'm going to find out for myself. <laughs> and all this dovetails into one fact. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the cross. That's why we need a Savior. Amen. Because of this human condition, of, of our uh, tendency to you know, to not line up with what God wants us to do. Amen. 
I mean, we all go through all kinds of stuff. Uh, even as Christians, sometimes we have difficulty with little, some, some parts of the word, so, you know. Amen. It's a growth thing. And God's not surprised by anything. Amen. But uh, thanks be to God. Amen. Uh, I don't know. Does, does salvation look bigger to you after, after this lesson? I mean, that should be the whole point. Uh, salvation is, is much bigger and much better uh, than what we think it is sometimes. It cover, it, it, God's arms are real, really, really spread open wide. Amen. Liz, how long would you put up with you? <laughs> I know, I get mad at myself sometimes, you know. <laughs> But yet God, down through the years, continues uh, to love us anyway. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray tonight. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this great salvation. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that uh, for your long-suffering, your patience, your love for us, oh, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the open.